Hello, this is Sean Harwell. You are listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. And this is Craig Moorhead, and you are still listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. How about that? We didn't stop. Um, Craig, how you doing, bruv? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. That's, we watched a, a crazy movie, and I can't wait to talk about it. I can't either. Um, let me ask you one question right up front, though. Please. Have you ever gnashed your teeth so hard that they rasp? No, not rasp, no. Okay, well then we, I think we have something to talk about. Our movie today is called Why Don't You Play in Hell? I love that title. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We'll talk about this later. I'm not quite sure what the hell it has to do with the movie. But uh, it's a very fun title, title, and this is a Japanese movie um, from the year 2013. Uh, it was released in 2014 in America by Draft House Films. And this is directed by, forgive me on the pronunciations, I believe it's uh, Shion Sono, and stars um, Yon Kunimura, Fumi Nakaido. How am I doing? That sounds perfect. Perfect pronunciation. Shinichi Tsutsumi. Hiroki Hasagawa. And I'm going to stop at Jin Hoshino. Excellent. Who was actually one of my favorite characters. Thank you very much, Craig. Um, I've been eating a lot of sushi lately, so I feel like that played a part there. Got to. I, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> Why Don't You Play in Hell is somewhat of an action film, and our synopsis today is coming from Wikipedia. There's a war going on, but that won't stop the inexperienced but eager wannabe film crew, the Fuck Bombers, from following their dreams of making the ultimate action epic. Ten years ago, Yakuza mid-boss Ikigami led an assault against rival Don Muto. Now on the eve of his revenge, all Muto wants to do is complete his masterpiece, a feature film with his daughter Mitsuko in the starring role before his wife is released from prison. And the fuck bombers are standing by with a chance of a lifetime to film a real live Yakuza battle to the death on 35mm. I should ask you, Craig... Um, any sort of overarching feelings about Japanese film? I don't know a ton about Japanese film, uh, but I, I'm certainly a fan of a lot of Japanese movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, and I guess this was uh, more a thing around the end of the 90s and the, the beginning of the 2000s, but uh, Japanese horror has left a huge fingerprint on everything that we do in America now. Uh, right. Um any standout films from that genre that uh, maybe people should check out? I'm a big, out, I'm like a big fan of a movie called The Suicide Club. Which, Interesting, okay. Which feels sort of akin to this. And, and, and I wish I, I knew a little bit more about the stuff that's going on over there because Suicide Club is one of those movies that feels so unhinged that, that, that you get that dangerous feeling of like anything could happen. Um, well, well, Craig, would you believe me if I told you that was also directed by Shion Sono? Uh, Jesus, that makes me feel stupid. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not trying to make you feel stupid. And I uh, just when you said it, I was like, "This rings a bell." From what I looked at his filmography, and uh, yeah, there it is. A detective is trying to find the cause of a string of suicides. Suicide Club. And that's and, and yet that's well, and that that is kind of the 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 synopsis of the movie. But I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I remember 
watching Suicide Club and, and just feeling more satisfied with watching that as a horror movie than I had in, I don't know, probably since I watched Scream. Wow. Which was, which was one of those movies, again, that was like, I, you know, everyone's so tired of slasher movies, and then Scream was a very good slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas Suicide Club just had, had really kind of had no equal as far as I was concerned. It just, there wasn't anything like it. Um, and, and just the fact that it was Japanese and you kind of have that impenetrable Japanese thing and the culture is in so many ways so different from what, what we have and what we, Fastly. the way we think and the way we do things. Um, I don't know. It, it all worked really well. So hats off to this young man who I guess is not that young, maybe. <laughs> He's not, uh, and that is something I kind of will talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, so maybe let's all go check Suicide Club out. That's interesting. I think maybe this also had to, you know, an impact on why this particular movie, Why Don't You Play in Hell, probably came to America because he clearly has some sort of reputation as a horror filmmaker or as a filmmaker of note. Um, but I, I think for me, this movie popped up. I think it was just I was looking at like letterbox.com um and saw the title obviously immediately stood out to me mm-hmm. and I should point out that according to wikipedia that actually tr- it translates more to what's so bad about hell which I think is also an interesting yeah and and some way I kind of like that a little bit better although both are fun and playful titles they are again, the, but yeah the, the the other one actually makes a little more sense maybe <laughs> I'm still not sure but uh, I, I, saw, I was like, okay, what is this movie? I watched the trailer. I was, I won't say hooked right off the bat, but intrigued. And, and here's part of my trepidation, I think, was, and this is, I, I'm not sure where this, this preconception is coming from, but movies that are about movies or involve like filmmakers as characters, I think I immediately kind of have like a built-in groan level to that. Yeah. Are you? And yet, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, why? And like, I, I can name so many movies, you know, Barton Fink right off the bat, like that are about Hollywood that mm-hmm. I love. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't even know where this bias necessarily is is coming from. If you are like minded and put off by that element, I don't know that. We'll get into it, but that it, it worked to me because what we're, we're starting out with this film dealing with teenagers or or maybe I'm I don't know were they teenagers or they're like I think they were you know, yeah I think they were teenagers maybe at that point. early early 20s at the latest right this group of kids there's like five of them one director two camera person um and then like two actors that get discarded who basically love cinema and love making movies they're out there with their video cameras and they wander upon a basic, you know, like a low-level street brawl between two sort of very low-level and young gangs, uh, and immediately start filming it and are excited by it and kind of strike up a kinship. The director does with the like the kind of head thug of one of the gangs, who's again like a teenager named uh, Sasaka Sasaki, right? Perfect, Sasaki, and convinces him that. He could be an action star in in all their movies, and like I, to me, I, there was something so playful about even like that as a setup, and how that then translates to later in the film because 
this movie, the bulk of this movie, well, I guess it's a bulk. I don't know. I, I think I try to pay attention to it, but I feel like it's maybe an, a closer to an even split. Um, does take place 10 years after that setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're dealing with these young filmmakers now who have never made a movie. Uh, the director, Hiraka, or Hirata, excuse me, has made a trailer for a movie. <laughs> And that was like four years ago, and he's still watching it, and he's still showing it to girls to impress them. But and, Sasaki, and, and I think this is ahead. this is just kind of important. Sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 please. But but this was one of the things that that kind of endeared me to that character in the movie in general. Is yes, it's been ten years. He's made one trailer, and he's still absolutely <laughs> as enthusiastic about making movies as he ever if not has more been. so. Yeah, if not more so. If not yeah. more exactly, like like he he hasn't lost. Any of that, which is just, that's great. But Sasaki has. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sasaki has been running around for 10 years in a Bruce Lee jumpsuit, the yellow tracksuit, uh, waiting to make this movie and like being sort of the pawn of this, you know, enthusiastic but kind of annoying and full of himself uh, director Harada and just finally has enough of it yeah. and like he's out he's got a job in a restaurant and Lisa like pays the bills and all this stuff he's, the, he's I, the realistic one and yeah, the other exactly. guys are just so like addicted to movies mm-hmm. that's all they can think about all they want to do but there's a whole other element of this movie which is this yes Yakuza mob side of it and uh, what's really interesting about the structure is it takes a while to, to really see how these two things connect. Um, in fact, the movie opens with a young girl, Mitsuko, um, who I think is probably like I don't, nine or ten years old, um, singing a jingle in a, uh, I guess it's a toothpaste, mm-hmm. toothbrush commercial. Yeah. Um, and the translation that they have is is what I asked Craig up front, like... Uh, Nash, it, it goes Nash with all your might. Let's go Nash until they rasp. Let's fly. I think that somehow is translating to smile, like gnash your teeth is like smile big enough. Um, anyway, so the, the jingle. I mean, this starts before the credits start, and so I had no clue what this is. Is this, I just thought, is this just some weird Japanese thing? <laughs> like, am I literally watching some commercial that they attach to this movie? But then, no, you do see this girl later, like, as she discovers this awful aftermath of a huge blood bath battle between her mother, who was protecting her gangster husband, Muto, and the rival gang led by Ikigami, who'd, like, come to attack them at their house. And, like, sh- this girl walks in to what is probably like three or four inches deep of blood that just fills an entire room. It's a really cool shot. And then slides across it to talk to the Ikigami guy. Um, and he's like enraptured by her. And all of that is happening so separately. The only connection we get is that when Ikigami, who does survive and walks away from that scene, is walking back. Uh, to wherever their headquarters is. He's, he's got blood all over him, and the fuck bombers, the young filmmakers, are out with their cameras. They see him, and they, they start filming him. Because, um, of course, Harata finds this guy amazing and, and cinematic and all these things. Um, so I don't know. I mean, did you have any sense of, of how this was all going to kind of connect and that's one of the things like even I don't know if you remember like in that very first like little street brawl 
there's these two guys driving a truck mm-hmm. that kind of are trying to get through there. And they just seem like throwaway characters. And then 15 minutes later, you're like, oh, those are the guys hanging the sign outside the gangster's home. Right. And then they, they show up again 10 years later, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and so it's a bit of a puzzle to unravel. And I think that's also a good reason for us not to completely unravel it for you. But how were you able to sort of sustain your interest through those first uh, a half hour to an hour before the stories really start to connect and you see, I mean, that synopsis, if I just told you that synopsis and specifically if I told you that synopsis and said it's a Hollywood movie, you would get 10 minutes, 20 minutes of prologue. And then these fuck bombers would be making a movie with the Yakuza for the other 90 minutes, right? Yeah. Like it would be the second act and it would be the third act well, completely. Uh, well, yeah. If, if, it was, if it was an American movie, first of all, uh, you would have a main character. Yep. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, and that's, I, th- I feel like that's the biggest very difference. Because yeah. like, like, there really isn't. It, it, it starts no, out and you feel like the fuck bombers and, and the main guy, Harada. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like he's going to be the main character. And then 10 minutes later, yeah, you're, you're, you're in with a completely different cast of characters and you start to realize, oh no, like it's just all these people kind of going about their lives. All these things are going to come together. It became strange to me that they even started with him. <laughs> I know. Because. Or the girl for that matter. By the I mean, end, yeah. I, yeah. By the end, he didn't seem like, um, what do I want to say? I mean, in some ways he's not essential Right. To what happens. And in fact, I found myself almost rooting more for the gangster husband. Yeah. Muto. Yeah. Because, and that's what's crazy about this movie. Like, when we're talking about it as a Western thing, this kind of is a story about the mob making a movie. Mm-hmm. And like, if you said that, I'm t- like, yeah, if, if, if Hollywood makes a movie about the mob making a movie, again, my grown radar is going off the charts. Yeah. Like, that to me just sounds bad. Yes. But this guy, the reason he's, they're making a movie 10 years later is because he's led his wife to believe the whole time, this woman who killed for him and went to jail, that their little daughter, that star of the commercial, the toothbrushing commercial, is is starring in a movie, which she was, but then she walked off the set and quit. And he's been telling his wife that, no, 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 the movie's almost finished and it's going to come out and our daughter's going to be a star and you're going to be amazed when you see this thing. And, like, he's so, like, you know, smitten with his wife and wants to to do something nice for her. And, like, there's that whole emotional speech about why the mob should make a movie (laughs) and why his Yakuza gang should do it that I got, I totally bought into that. And, like, but that, again, is, like, an hour and a half into this movie probably. And so I was like, oh, my God, okay, now I know what's going to happen. These gangsters are going to make a movie. Somehow they're going to get our fuck bombers involved to make the movie, and then this is going to play out to the end, and all these strings will be tied together. Right. But, yeah, it, it, you got to work to get there yeah. a little bit. Well, um, luckily everything is entertaining. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really where it gets by. I mean, again, the, the, the filmmakers are so in love with making movies – you kind of love them, even though that's all they talk about. That's the only thing that's important. <laughs> right. There's nothing else. Like they, they, they could be robots that are there to simply make movies, but they're, they're not, and it's yeah. more entertaining that they're not. But, but yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I loved the, the mob boss's wife. 
be- just mm-hmm. because of the fact that she like all these guys show up to murder her husband, and she basically just slices and dices every single one of them. Right. And then, uh, which is, uh, by the way, that's a really nice. Even just beyond the the sort of action spectacle of that, and and the sort of macabre nature of it, how many mob movies have you seen where the wife is just a throwaway? Oh like, yeah, you know she's just eye candy, and like they hate each other, yeah. and all these things. And like, I mean, I'm hard pressed to think of another gangster movie where the lead gangster is in love with his wife and vice versa. Like, yeah, I really am. Like, you know, maybe the Godfather. I mean, that's about it. Like, yeah. you know, so, but, but yeah, exactly. And, and because of her, I, I liked that mob boss mm-hmm. and, and kind of wanted to see him, uh, I, I don't know, succeed. I, I don't really care if he succeeds. Like, like his goal is so bizarre. Right. Um, it's, 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 you're really just, you're really just, you know all these things are going to tie together, and the more you go through the movie, the more you see how they're going to tie together. And everyone's interesting enough to watch, you know? So, so mm-hmm. it's... Um, I, I, I do kind of want to watch it a couple more times, honestly, just, just to yeah. see, is there something more there that I'm missing? Because, of course, fool that I am, you get to the end, and you have the fuck bombers filming all of this and all I can think of is they can't possibly film any of this. Like <laughs> if any, any film that came out of this I is mean, just going to be a mess. You can't follow it. That can't follow anything that's right. happening. Well, let's talk about that for a second because what's being set up is, yeah, these guys are being hired to film basically a raid yeah. on the other mob, right. uh, a war. And it does not disappoint in that, uh, department. I didn't think you. I mean, no, you no, get no. a solid twenty minutes of swords Mayhem. and guns, limbs flying everywhere, yes. um, blood up to your eyeballs. It's just, and again, like all of it, I I felt like I'm at least following this. Right. You're absolutely right. I don't know how the hell they would make a movie out of it, but it was comical to watch. Yeah. There's the, there's the moment where I mean they're literally walking in with like thirty five millimeter Panavision cameras. Dolly tracks yeah. and lights. Well, I mean, and, and they set it up. I mean, they they, they, they like go in and yeah. they sort of talk to the other clan, and they're just like, "Here's what we want to do," <laughs> which is great. I mean, all that stuff I is love, super funny. Yes. Like, there's plenty of stuff. Like, they, they do right. stop the like, action sometimes, and kind of like, yeah. Well, they uh, somebody like tripped over the cord for one of the like uh, the lights that they were using. Yeah, <laughs> so, like all the lights went out. Like, hey, oh, hang on, let's plug the lights back in. But and I guess that's the thing, and I did get hung up on it, and I realize that that's a dumb move to get hung up on. But but there was a, a part of it for me where these guys are in love with film, and they have their projectionist friend there, and they seem to just be in love with movies, and they're going to make the the best movie of all time. They're going to make a movie that will be remembered. Forever, and they would give their life to make That's an amazing all movie. All he wants to do, yep, he says he wants to make one movie to be remembered for, and, and if it kills him, right. that's fine. And, yeah. and granted, if someone filmed an entire real Yakuza raid that looked like that, it would probably would be remembered. <laughs> but I guess yes, that's, it would. That's it, on the internet. <laughs> that was another thing that I I couldn't. That I don't want to say it was necessarily a letdown, but it's like, but that's not a movie. I mean that's no, it's, it's like not. a fight that you might put on YouTube, but it's like it's not a story of any kind. Like you know, like what I okay yeah, you're absolutely right. I think what I appreciated was 
I feel like, you know, if you've made anything with, with no budget or just like, you know, yeah. a low budget thing, a short film, anything, you get in that situation where it's like, well, shit ain't going to be like what I thought it was going to be. All right, well, let's just go. Like, you just sure. got to go with it. Sure. Like, you know, I don't know. You Is this going to work? Who knows? Like, I'm just going to run with it. And that's kind of what they do, you know. So I... I I gave him a pass slightly for that. Well, and and I think it, uh, on my part, it's a little bit just not buying into the fun of what's happening. Gotcha. And, yeah. And, you know, and that that that's my own do- downfall. Like, I mean, it's a long fight. Like, you know, it is. I, I can see it, it being easy to tune out. Um, I felt like this movie did an ex- an exceptional job of letting all those minor personalities have memorable face. Mm-hmm. Like, at least there's the guy that's that's doing the audio that just smokes all the time, and like at least like okay. He's mob member number seven, mm-hmm. but he's memorable. Like when you see sure. him, you know that guy. Yes. And there's so many of those that without that, man, that, that last thing would have been a complete wash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you would have just been like, I don't care about anything. Like who are these people that are dying? Yeah. Like it means nothing. But let me ask this. I mean, w- without it draining the fun out of the movie, how much did you care about anyone in the movie? I, I can tell you exactly who I cared yeah. about was... I did end up caring about Muto, the mob boss, mm-hmm. uh, the husband, specifically like what you were talking about. Like, you, I kind of wanted to see him deliver this thing to his wife that he'd promised to her. Yeah. But I also, and it's so weird because it, it's totally almost a different movie, totally in love with the Koji storyline. When you see him in the, the first 10 years of this movie, he's just a young man staring at this toothbrushing commercial and this girl Mitsuko at like a TV in a store window and somebody says something about maybe one day that'll be your girlfriend or whatever and he's just like what? Like, you know, yeah. it's like, he's so embarrassed at the idea of it and then later you know Mitsuko is, is trying to escape from her dad's mob she's been on the lam because she was supposed to be acting in this movie and got fed up with it and left and was dating some guy. They track her down, and so she's trying to run away from them. She sees a guy in a phone booth and immediately runs over and asks him to pretend to be her lover um, to kind of basically fool the guys chasing her. And that's Koji 10 years later, the same kid, and like he's just this like sad sack like striped polo like everything about him is just like the most pathetic guy, but she strings him along in this whole thing of like pretending to be involved with her and gets him basically in that life or death situation that he has no good way out of. It makes her extremely unlikable, and yet it was it was just such a weird kind of take on like a true romance kind of thing or something like that. Um, a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just, I liked that, that Koji character. He's so, I felt so bad for him in that situation. And then so kind of proud of him. That he, he risked his life and completely went in full charge on that raid to kind of try and save Mitsuko. Yeah. And uh, I would say it was him and Muto that I was rooting for. I didn't really care that Harada walked away with a movie. Right. And and in some ways, maybe that's a fault of the film. But let's talk about that ending then. Yeah. And this one, I, I do think, you know, we really don't care about spoilers here, obviously, if you've been listening. But if you don't want this movie spoiled at the end, you know, turn it off now or wait. Everybody dies in that raid except for Hirata. Although there's definitely a moment there 
where I thought he was dead. Well, he's certainly been shot a number of times. He's been blasted. Yeah. He runs out of uh, the Yakuza headquarters where they had the raid after the police have come and gone. I mean, the police are still there. He, he grabs all the mags of films off the camera, like thanks his, his people, his, his crew. crew that died. And there's a great, sh- I loved the cameraman guy that just died with his eye on the camera. He's like still yeah. standing there. I loved it. Um, he's running down the street, screaming at the top of his lungs with these mags of film. And then you cut to the theater, the old art house, 35 millimeter projector cinema where they all hung out. And they're screening what is essentially this movie that he just filmed, right? And everybody that you thought was dead is there wearing bandages and standing up to applaud uh, this movie that they've just watched. Mm-hmm. Do you make heads or tails of that? I, I, I certainly, there's no way any of those people survived from what we saw at the raid. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I will. I thought, so, so he grabbed the mags and ran out of there. Yeah. Then it was the theater, and then it cuts back to him running down the road. Because I thought him running down the road was the last thing. Because then you you hear the director yell "cut" on the you know, right? And they have the. Sort and of I thought like that was it, and then the credits came up. I thought because I thought that the theater thing was his like imagination delusion of he's been shot yeah. a million times, he's losing a lot of blood, and he was. I I, I thought that was happening when he was still laying there. And then he woke up and grabbed all the film. I, I will say this. Either way, I don't, I don't know how you look at that and not think it's a delusion. Right. Yeah, I think it has to be, yeah. Okay, well, do you think Harada did get up from this situation at the raid or no? I, I think he did. And I, like, and, and I kind of bought that under the, the rules, like the John Woo rules of yeah. horrible cinematic violence where you can be shot 35 times, but you're still in the gunfight. Like that yeah. kind of thing. And so and he, so he's just on pure adrenaline running down the street yelling fuck bombers, <laughs> as I remember. And I was trying to tie that to the earlier scene where they ran down the street for a really long time. Oh, yeah. And again, I, I couldn't, I, for some reason, I couldn't make the connection. That's one of those reasons yeah, I wanted I to watch know. it again and see what other yeah. things there are to like kind of connect to each other. But, but um yeah, I, I thought he survived it. I don't know how much longer he would survive if that story continued. <laughs> right. But uh but I think just on pure adrenaline, yeah, he made it. Okay, so even in that theater delusion, was he bandaged up too? I don't think so. Okay. Because I felt like there was a moment in that theater where the people that were killed were like not there and then they're sort of revealed. And so I don't I don't know I I'm gonna watch that again if anybody else has seen this and has like a, a heads or tails on on what they what they made of it uh, yeah I would love to kind of get some other opinions yeah and feedback on it um, overall though what do you think I mean, I've definitely seen just briefly looking online the criticism that you know this is way way style over substance sure I feel like that's somewhat fair to lobby against this movie yeah. Um- yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there is um, the case to be made again that there there really isn't a main character, and maybe there is no interest in having a main character, and it's mm-hmm. and it's really more of an interest in just building something to this insane crescendo of you know comic violence. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I think anyone who watches it will will be able to name 
another movie or another show that intertwined a bunch of characters and, and stories in a mm-hmm. better way, or in a better way, but in a, in a way that pays off those characters, really pays off the stories. But, but at the same time, it's undeniably fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you have to have a main character if your movie is entertaining anyway? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. And I think part of yeah, my excitement watching this was just like kind of watching those rules be broken a little yeah. bit. You know, specifically with the structure. I'm just like, I just remember the day after like sitting down to write, going, Ugh. <laughs> like I've, I've, I, all of my stuff is just linear. Like I've never done sure. <laughs> like, like I don't even know how to wrap my head around kind of doing that to a degree. Like I'm just like why. Why don't I like at this point? It's 2016. You know how many years of movies do we have now? Like, shouldn't everything be nonlinear? Like, you know, shouldn't we be searching for those new, yeah, like forms of storytelling? You're a dinosaur. I'm a definitely a dinosaur, man. So, uh, any little favorite beats, moments, characters that, that we haven't talked about? Yes, I have a few written down. One is the line, cocaine is important. <laughs> Who said that? Um, oh, the, I, think it, I think it's when they're in the van. Well, they're, yeah, and they're talking the about monsters. movie making specifically, right? Weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was the gangsters who had the cocaine. Okay. And they, and they gave it to uh, Koji to Oh, hold, that's right. And he's like, oh, what? You know? <laughs> like, the, the cocaine is yeah. important. Uh, there was a fake, several times there was a music cue that, was kind of a ripoff of the of the song Sleepwalk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that bothered me because I kept waiting for that melody to kick in and then realized it was never going to come. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit of suspense there. Uh, I wonder if they tried to get Sleepwalk and for some reason could not or couldn't afford it or just went a different route. Yeah, or what? Oh, I, yeah I kind of assumed. Like, it, it was probably something they had in there as like a temp track. Yeah. And I, and I really do love the opening. I love that commercial. Yeah, okay. The girl is cute in the right way. And it's another thing that kind of makes you like the movie right off the bat. It was a great way to open it. I didn't think about it till now, but I think pretty excellent job casting young and older uh, people for the same role. Oh, yeah. Um, that girl, the young girl, and then, and then the girl that plays uh, the older Mitsuko. You totally, totally buy it, and I felt the same way about the, all those, uh, all the fuck bombers. Um, yeah. How did you feel about the uh, the vomit fountain? Uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen it, I've seen it play, I've seen it happen before. Uh, they use it as a almost a, a way to further the plot along because when Koji oh, yeah. is vomiting, that's when they find Harata's name because he's made the wish to the god of cinema at this little right. shrine. He, he wrote a note. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do think that's the cool. first time I've ever seen vomit as a plot device. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard that, to see. That was impressive. I also really just want to give a quick mention to, I liked the scene where uh, Muto is, is talking to Koji about what budget he wants for this movie. And of course, Koji, remember, is, is, has no connection to film whatsoever and no desire to direct a movie, but he's just been forced into this position because of this girl, Mitsuko. And uh, he, he's the metaphor he uses is like, uh, you do want a breakfast, a lunch, a, or a dinner budget? You know, it's it's and it's like you know something you do with your whore, your wife, or your mistress. And there were, I don't know, there was just all these little things. And I was like, 
oh, they're just totally taking the piss out of like studio and, and investors and things like that. And I, I just thought it was just a great little, great little use there. Yeah. I don't know. For me, man, uh, and it sounds like you already had knowledge, like my big takeaway from this movie is absolutely this director. Um, I got to see Suicide Club now. I sent you that trailer for, he did a movie called, um, I think it's Peace and Love. Uh, Love and Peace. Yeah. That looks incredible. Um, yeah. And I don't know how closely you looked at his filmography, but... Clearly I didn't. <laughs> one of my favorite movies is directed by the same guy. He has not one, not two... Six movies, Craig. Six movies listed as 2015 releases. Good grief. Six. That he directed? As director, yeah. Holy cow. I don't know how that's possible. And one of them was Love and Peace, which, you know, that didn't look like any sort of like cheap, you know, $10,000 throw it together kind of thing based no, on the indeed. trailer. Um, he's got another movie I was just looking at called Tokyo Tribe. Uh, from 2014, which the synopsis is, in an alternate Japan, territorial street gangs from opposing factions collectively known as the Tokyo tribes, uh, blah, 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 cross the lines to conquer all of Tokyo. And the poster is amazing. And what I'm looking at as a still from the trailer says, the world's first battle rap musical. <laughs> I'll say that again. The world's first battle rap musical. I don't even know what that means, but I'm definitely going to watch it. I love it. It looks like he uses a lot of the same actors a bunch, so I think we'll see some of those people from Why Don't You Play in Hell uh, and other things. And Wikipedia also says that he is making a documentary on the Fukushima nuclear plant disaster following the tsunami. So, Oh, my God. What's that That's like? Yeah, could be really, really interesting and depressing and revealing <laughs> and uh, you know, rage inducing and terrifying. I yeah. Think. I, I did want to say one little thing about, you know, that the company that released this is Alamo draft house cinemas yeah. um, and draft house films. Um, have you ever been to the Alamo draft house? I've never been to the Alamo draft house. Yeah. I neither have I, and they have chain, you know, it's a, it's a theater chain. I think mostly known for being in Austin and, and, uh, you know, Harry Knowles, Anical news does a lot of the festival stuff there, but they do have theaters, I mean, they're popping up in Texas, uh, Arizona and Virginia and, and elsewhere. But man, really good slate of movies from the Draft House Films filmography, which they just really got started in 2010, it looks like. But I wanted to mention that The Overnighters, uh, the documentary that we talked about a while ago, uh, is also one of their movies. So, yeah. man, uh, good for them. We've done yeah. two of them now. Would you buy this movie as an English language remake? Well, let's look at it this way. Let's we do it. we now have Deadpool, super violent, R-rated, huge hit. I don't I you know what? I I'm happy for Deadpool. I I I really have a hard time buying that as a barometer for anything outside of the superhero genre still. Um just because I I don't know. It, to me it's just still so different from anything not involving guys in costumes <laughs> right. that you know well, are coming from... Con like, I don't know. I just I, I, I don't think that's an automatic pass for rated R violent movies. I don't know. I agree with you to an extent, but, but it's also my understanding that, that the reason the, uh, 
the new It adaptation was sort of deep sixed. Besides, like a few problems behind the scenes, was that Poltergeist didn't do well, right? And it was sold on the strength of a clown's face. Gotcha. And I was kind of like, really? And that that could all be a bunch of BS, <laughs> but. Um, so our, well, our Killer Clowns remake is out the window now. Right? I know. <laughs> so whatever. It's that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, not not that not that Deadpool necessarily opens the door all the way, but it certainly it would help because it's 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 funny, it's crazy, it's uh, people went to go see it and it made money. So it's not just immediately like oh what it's gory and there's weird stuff happening. Eh. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this could totally be adapted into a an American movie. I mean, you already actually we didn't mention this before, but you already have a movie like Get Shorty, True. which is you know kind of has the same spine. Yeah, basically. I didn't even think about that. You're absolutely right. Um, and of course that did great. So you go in there, you go in there armed with those two things. So I'm thinking <laughs> thinking it's about dead. something. It's like Deadpool, but it's like Get Shorty too. And they're like, what? what? And then everyone in, in the place has like dollar signs in their mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah. Um, Can you pause while I get my checkbook and pen? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know okay. if you have checks big enough. I know. Um, well, since obviously, okay, it's going to be a success. Can we fill out the cast a little bit? Yeah. I was thinking about it, and I, I, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, one of the things that I think could be a home run, and see, let me see what you think about this, is Sasaki, mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters, the poor, beleaguered action star wannabe who is forced to wear the Bruce Lee tracksuit. By the way, I did love I absolutely love the shot where Harada just pulls that tracksuit yeah. out of his pocket when they go and, yes. and gets this fantastic shot. What about Mr. Channing Tatum for that? He would definitely have the right sensibilities for it. When yeah. you're talking guys, it could be yeah, young American action star, like somebody they've been grooming to be the next Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis, Stallone, sure. but funny, Channing Tatum. I could see it. Harada's tough, the director. My what, who I penciled in right now is Jason Schwartzman, and I know, I know he he has a tendency to play weaselly guys and can yeah. rub people the wrong way. I think that could be decent and good for this character. And also, I mean, if you remember the pure joy he had in Rushmore for putting mm-hmm. on plays and just loving Rushmore in the clubs, like that's got to come through too. As as the guy that loves cinema so much, he's well, willing to die for it. I don't disagree that you could put him in this movie. But I think he would make a more interesting Koji, especially if you rewrote that role a little bit. Cuz cuz he's okay. he, he's kind of he's kind of subdued that guy. Like I feel like Harada needs to be yeah. somebody who like maybe that guy maybe he's going to pick up a gun during filming and start shooting people himself. Harada goes to 11. And then it's like yeah, then it's like who who's our go to 11 guy? Who's the guy that can go to 11 and not just be shrill and obnoxious? Kevin Hart. I don't even know if he could. I, I don't know if I'd buy him. It'd be kind of funny wanting to make a movie that bad. I guess maybe that's the thing. My other, the only other ones I could think of. I blanked on the camera guy and the camera girl. I think you could. There's a you know sure. quite a few people you could plug in there that would be funny. Uh, Mitsuko. I went Mila Kunis. I don't. You know. I don't know. And that to me also yeah. feels kind of like an obvious choice, but. You know, I think she can play that sort of character that, you know what, I, she's not a good person, but right. you're still kind of like interested in what well, she's like, doing. Well, like, I mean, like like most people too, in the movie, she could go either way. She could end up good or bad. Yeah. And I, and I kind of like the matchup of her and Jason Schwartzman. I, I think so. I think it could work. Uh, Ikigami, mm-hmm. the rival mob boss, 
Maybe Michael yeah. Shannon. That'd be kind of fun yeah. and interesting. Give it some clout, maybe. And then for Muto, I went with the obvious and Anthony Michael Hall. I think that's perfect. You know, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> we talked about we want him to come back and have a big role. I think it could be this, like uh, the husband that's just trying to do right for his wife as she gets out of jail. Um, you kind of have a fast talk. He's clearly got a yeah. background already in making you know, it's movies. It's weird though. The whole time we yeah. were talking about this for Muto. <laughs> I mean, what 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 if you had Idris Elba? I mean, so think about like that guy went from The Wire. I love it, right? Yeah. And you think about him as as, as a pretty pretty dangerous yeah. dude from that. If Stringer. you if you're someone who watched it and you think of him that way, I do. And then for him to be kind of running things, but also like mm-hmm. be a softy. I like I it. I don't know. I like it a lot. He- I kind of like that. But then we got to redo. We got to redo Mila Kunis. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah. And the only thing I can think of is Zoe Saldana, mm. but I, I don't know. Yeah. There's other people. There's other good people. Did you watch uh, uh, Chirac by any chance? Not yet. It's on uh, Amazon. It's waiting yes, for you. It is. Uh, it's it's not all slam dunks, but but there's a lot of great stuff in there. I, I've heard that. Yes. Uh, but the main the main uh, girl in that is really good, and I don't know I don't know that I've seen her in anything before. Well, you'll see her again in this. Then I think is what we're saying. <laughs> am I wrong or am I crazy or was there? Uh... Wasn't there a dude also in one of the mobs that had um, what looked like cornrows, but as if his hair was less than you know a, a centimeter long, like it was like, like it was had, shaved like, and then yeah, pattern shaved yes. into it. For, from yeah. which from which clan? Oh god, from the rival I think he was in, one. Because now I think he was in Muto. I think okay. when they grabbed Koji, he's in the back seat there with those guys that are like punching him, or or I don't know. If you're watching his. After we talk about it, look for the guy with the pseudo weird cornrows. Yeah. <laughs> Craziest thing I've ever seen. Because that reminds me of, of actually probably one of my other favorite scenes is when, ah, darn it, what's his name? Ikigami. Ikigami. Yeah. When he realizes that he's the head of everything, he just starts just talking about changing all these things and telling these guys to, you, go shave off all your hair and your eyebrows. Just go show, you know. Oh, they're going to wear kimono robes the whole Fantastic. time, which they do, yeah. which is hilarious. And the next time you see them and they're all like badasses in kimonos. Um, uh, yeah, that was and I don't I, I don't even remember what prompted him like doing that. But uh, I thought it was really funny as well. Yeah, just to, yeah, it was just time to change things. And uh, <laughs> there, there it was. Uh, last thing I was going to ask you about is um, uh, since I was so much drawn to this title and that's what pulled me in. And it as we determined, it has very little as far as literal connection to the movie or the plot itself. Uh, I was wondering if you had any titles in your toolbox uh, that you like, but don't necessarily have a plot to go along with. Uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Let's see. I got two. So I thought we would just share them yeah. and get them out there in the world so nobody will steal them. That's right. Because that's how probably, it works. Yeah. I mean, I know speaking personally... It'll be another 10 years before I ever come up with movie ideas for these titles, right. but I like the titles nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I have a few. Um, Hit me with one. Uh, the first one that I think of is actually an, an idea I had a thousand years ago with our, our co-student uh, uh, from school, Nick Panagopoulos. Okay. And it was called Dead Man Switch. I like it. And and so so do you know what a dead man switch is? 
Like as it's a real when thing. you do like a body swap thing with a dead man. Well, right? well, no, but but it, it's actually a, a mechanical thing, so that like <laughs> it connects to you if you're on certain machines. A motorcycle, I think, maybe or a, a water ski or something, jet ski, and so that if you become detached from it, it shuts down. It's a dead man okay. switch. Okay. Yes. So you're not, it's like what you have on your lawnmower, basically. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because yes, that that shit gets out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does. Ooh, but um. But I always liked that title, and we kind of had a plot for it, but the plot didn't really play into the title at all. Sure. Uh, but man, I love that title. That title, and then I have another title that's just the word quiet, which I, I kept trying too. to make it fit to a, a horror movie, and it just wouldn't. And I think it's, I don't know, it's probably already one called Quiet by now. And then. Uh, you can always go The Quiet. The uh, Quiet. Yeah. Yes. Or, into uh, the Quiet. Quiet question mark? Well, oh, that's, I like that. Actually, um, what I really want to bring back are, are quotations because I feel like quotation marks have been left out of movies, movie titles and, and posters for too long. I would love to just put um, things like quiet in quotation marks, I think would be okay. fantastic. Is there, a, is there a famous movie I'm not thinking of that has uh, quotation marks in the title that makes you think? For some reason, I feel like, all, and, and uh, maybe I'm misremembering this, but <laughs> every movie made in the 40s, for some reason, like Casablanca probably has quotation marks, as if someone said it, or if it's I'm like you know, Casablanca. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're like it's fucking crap sarcastic. about it. Yeah, that terrible movie. <laughs> well, I like I like all of those. Well, I thank those you. Are all good. What about you? Uh, I have one that I've been toying with for a little bit called "Not for Nothing." I like that as a title. I, that is good. I don't know what you do with it or what it means even, but mm-hmm. uh, I like it. I've always liked the word hole puncher. Um, yeah, I remember you I used, bringing that up as like a band name at some point or something. Yeah, yeah and then it sounds like a band name. It does. You know, it's got a slightly dirty connotation to it if you want to go sure, that route. Sure. I, I was thinking, actually, you know, when we talked to Damien Leahy about Korean cinema and all the horror movies like Dumpling and Red Shoe and, and all these like object-based horror movies. Yeah. Maybe there's a, a hole puncher horror movie out there. <laughs> Um, I'm not saying it's about like a haunted hole puncher or you get killed with a hole puncher. Let's be smarter than that, maybe, but not just like one level smarter, not like a whole lot smarter. Or you just go, you just go the Sona route and you just call it hole puncher. And then at the end, everybody's like, well, where's the hole puncher? What what did I miss? And then it's like too late. Yeah. Craig, I think that's all I got for you. Uh, I like this movie a lot. Um, I don't think it's perfect, but it's a very fun experience. It's a really good movie, I think, to sit down and stream at home if you're sort of an adventurous film goer and uh, you have any sort of connection to uh, a desire to make movies or have ever made a movie or or just sort of enjoy that kind of thing. Um, I would definitely seek this out. And if this is not the one for you, look at Shion Sono's filmography and see if you can't find something else that might interest you because it seems like he's doing some really cool stuff. Agreed. Yeah, man. Should we talk about... um, our next episode. Let's talk about it, man. Um, that way you don't have to put a loop in right there. I won't. Uh, Sean, I've got some titles for you. And okay. I'll be honest with you, I think the first one is going to be the one, and I hope so. You're going to get me. God, it's been a while since I've, I've stumped you beyond one. Right? Okay. Right? Sean, I want to know if you've ever heard of the 1941... Fritz Lang movie, Manhunt. 
that is the one about Hannibal Lecter. Damn. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the first ye, one. Excuse me. Ye old Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah. In quotation uh, marks. You know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. I just... I, I, like, yesterday read something about a Fritz Long movie that has the word moon and woman in the title. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's kind of embarrassing, right? It, yeah, it seems um, like I don't know what's going on in that movie. I totally thought you were going to say that. I'm like, yeah, I was yes, I've heard of this. <laughs> Never heard of Manhunt. Yes. I'm really interested to see more from this filmmaker and have neglected him for too long. Indeed. So let's watch Manhunt. I want to I wanna reveal the stakes for me personally on this because I Are you involved like, in a manhunt? No, 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 no. Oh, thank God. Okay. It's just I've been reflecting on some of my suggestions in the past few episodes and I haven't felt very good about You don't have to apologize, man. I know, I know. We it's, we know you have bad taste. It's cool. It's true, it's true. But every I, now and hey, again I'm I just the, wanna I wanna deliver one that we haven't heard of that just I liked I liked the veil more than you did, so That's true, know. that's true. Yeah, uh, I'm glad we and watched it. It's not even it. that I don't like okay. Anyway. You don't have to apologize, but what's okay? You're hoping this is the one. Have you seen this one? I've never seen this one, but okay. but again, it's Fritz Lang. It's got some great people in the cast. Mm-hmm. The the I mean the 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 summary of it sounds super interesting. Like okay, don't tell me, man. Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like this could be the one for me. This Sean. is it. Okay. Ah, I'm very hopeful. Where can we watch? Uh, oh God, I have no idea. It's very old. Man Probably can't see it anywhere. Okay, cool. No, uh, it's 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 on um, uh, Netflix. Great. So streaming on Netflix. Uh, yeah, everybody, please go check it out. And uh, then you can go check us out on Twitter at Never Podcast. You can check us out on the 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 webs at NeverHeardPodcast.com. And you could check you could check out Sean at the library. That's right. Um, and you could just check out. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, thank you for listening. We'll talk soon. Let's do it. All right.